This episode is sponsored by Gummy Cube. Uh, they worry about your app store optimization. So you don't have to, you can focus on building an app, which is actually what we want to do. They offer a full service app store optimization. They have an expert team. It's really only one click away. You just need to go to gummycube.com uh, and they can take care of all the updates, all the keywords, the metadata, and they offer full enterprise grade support. So Gummy Cube, thank you very much for supporting this show. Let me thank my awesome sponsor, Apptentive. Now Apptentive have a number of different customers and I'm going to read out a quote here. Apptentive have been vital in improving our mobile app ratings, growing our user base and fielding support issues. That is from a company called StockTwits. Uh, a lot of people are falling in love with Apptentive for what they can do. They can do an amazing thing for you and getting better reviews. Uh, so to get a free consultation with them, go to www.apptentive.com forward slash app guy. That's apptentive.com forward slash app guy. And thank you very much, Apptentive, for being so awesome. Hey guys, this is Bram. I'm the creator of startupstash.com and you're listening to the App Guy podcast show. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. Now, this is slightly different. I want to explain what I'm doing here. So if you may or may not know, I'm guessing you probably don't know, but I've been running another podcast uh, over the last few months. It's called App Store Launch Stories. It's a successful podcast. It, it hit number three in its category in the podcast charts. And uh, I've been going through uh, launches, uh, successful app store launches. In fact, uh, during the series, I've managed to get uh, a guest where we helped with a launch and reached number two in the uh, Apple charts, in the overall Apple charts for the US, which is massive, Beat, beating Minecraft, uh, beating Snoop Dogg and release of his new album, beating Grand Theft Auto. It was just a phenomenal launch. And I've got that for you to look forward to. Uh, also, I've uh, managed to launch apps where, for example, we reached number one in its music category. So this is really great stuff. And now I know with podcast listeners, including you, uh, it's really hard to migrate uh, listeners over from one podcast to another. So what I've decided to do is share with you some of the best episodes of App Store launch stories and slowly integrate uh, that podcast into the app guy podcast i think it's pretty relevant right you know app store launches so uh, what i've decided to do is curate hand curate uh, some of the podcast episodes and i will scatter those in over the next uh, few weeks and uh, this actually does help me out because at the moment i am going to be working from uh, bali indonesia uh, maybe traveling a little bit around asia with my family uh, doing the digital digital nomad sort of lifestyle while the kids are on uh, summer holidays. So uh, just to make sure that I've got some great content for you and it, the show continues to run, uh, that's why I'm throwing in some of these episodes. They are great episodes and I think you'll learn a lot from them. They do uh, slightly different from the format and uh, there will be uh, tip normal shows, typical shows uh, with guest interviews um, also over the next few weeks. Uh, but you will be hearing more App Store launches and then we're going to continue with this uh, going forward. I'd love to hear your feedback on this. Uh, please do get in touch. You can go to theappguy.co and uh, there is a, uh, I think if you go to theappguy.co forward slash survey, 
uh, or if you click the feedback link at the top of the nav bar, or if you just actually can email me as well, paul at theappguy.co and tell me what you think to this format. So stay tuned, enjoy. Let me start with the first episode that I want to share with you. This is hand curated. I'm going through the best episodes that I've recorded uh, for your enjoyment. And this is a chat I had with uh, Adam Wolf. And he actually wrote the guide, Seven Steps to a Successful App Store Launch. It was great. It was really uh, proactive steps that you can be doing right now to have a successful app launch. So we'll go into that episode and there's more to follow. Thanks very much uh, for continuing to listen to the App Guide podcast. I'm extremely grateful. Welcome to an episode I am Paul Kemp. I am your host. Uh, My job is to go uh, around the world and find the best developers who can help us with uh, launching uh, apps in the App Store. So this is absolutely focused on launches. And now I've got a guest who's joining us. We're going to go straight into the content. Uh, His name is Adam Wolf, and he is the creator of Loose Leaf. Now, if you are interested in uh, Adam's story, then I highly recommend, and in fact, encourage you, even even pause this podcast, go and listen to Adam on the App Guy podcast. You can find him uh, by uh, searching on your podcasting app for episode 237, or you can go to theappguy.co and just uh, search uh, Adam Wolf, that's W-U-L-F, and uh, then you'll be able to listen to him and have more of a sense of what we're talking about. But in the meantime, we're going to go straight into the content. Adam, welcome. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. So this is really timely because we connected. You've just released a uh, seven-step process of uh, how to launch an app. It's like an app launch guide, and it's based on Loose Leaf, but you've also got another app coming out called Remotely. Um, perhaps I thought we could we could go through that uh, launch. Yeah, guide. I think that'd be I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. So, well, I guess you start at step zero, which is uh, <laughs> good. So let's, let's start there. I started there. I, I wanted to make this guide to kind of distill everything I had learned over the past couple of months with the loose leaf launch into something actionable and repeatable uh, that I could do with remotely and and future apps. Um, and so, step zero is kind of the foundation for me. It's it's two books. Um, one of them is Trust Me, I'm Lying by Ryan Holiday. Uh, and the second one is uh, is Traction uh, by Gabriel Weinberg. And uh, let me... Just, Justin Mayers. Now, I'm, gl- I'm so glad you paused there because uh, in, in a way we've had actually Justin on the show. Uh, it's a good chance for me to suggest that people go and check out that episode. It's episode 125 of the App Guy podcast uh, with Justin. So that, that, that was great. The... Uh, their book Traction has been a, a huge influence for me. It's both are incredibly helpful and kind of shape how I think about the next seven steps that we'll talk about. But trust me, I'm lying. Talks a lot about the incentives that the press and reviewers and app reviewers have, and it's really good to just kind of get into their mind space a little bit and understand what they do for a living and what asking for a review actually means in their life and what that how that affects their publication and that sort of thing when they publish those. And Traction is another great book that goes through uh, 19 different marketing channels. I think it was 19. There's a lot. And it talks about how every one of those channels might be able to be used in your app or in your company and in whatever it is that you're doing and uh, give some very kind of concrete ways to brainstorm um, different ideas to get 
to start getting traction, marketing traction. Great. Uh, and then I know that, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll put a link to this guide on the show notes. Uh, so go to appstorelaunch.me if you're listening to this. You don't have to write all these down. Appstorelaunch.me, go to episode two with Adam, and I'll make sure that we link to your launch guide, which goes through a load of other resources as well. Um, so let's talk about step one, um, which you've called it finding some app ideas. I have a notebook that's just filled with app ideas of, oh, it would be nice to build this one day. It would be nice to build this one day. And so step one is really about taking all of those different ideas and trying to distill them down into, okay, what's the short list? Like what might actually work? What might actually resonate with an audience enough to really hit a nerve? And so that that's really what it's focused on is... Uh, is kind of working through that process a little bit. Um, and especially a lot of my ideas kind of scratch a personal itch. And what I really try and focus on at this stage is pulling each of those ideas outside of myself and saying, okay, does this really help somebody more than just me? What what would really be a target audience for this? Who is it? Is it new moms? Is it young employees like at their first job? Is it mid-level managers? Is it teachers? Is it and, and trying to get more specific about who it is you're actually trying to help and what it is you're trying to help them with. Because a lot of times that very clearly defining the problem in the audience happens after I start writing code because I'm so excited about the idea and about just building something. And this tries to really front load that process and put a lot of the thinking and the planning out front. Do, do you actually go to the step where you um, prototype the idea and uh, then give it to your friends and family and see if they get it? Yes, but I not yet. At this step, no, but at, uh, but absolutely, that's a, that's a valuable thing to do. I think the reason I say no here is because it's, uh, it's, it's potentially too early to try and validate when you're still discovering which audience it resonates with. When you build it and put it into prototype form, it makes the idea concrete, both for you and the people you're showing it to. And so not having a prototype, both for you and for the person you're talking to, lets it be more generic. It, it, it lets it be less less fixed in time. Um, so you can get better feedback instead of, I don't like this button, or what does sign up mean? Uh, you can get feedback that's, actually, I don't have that problem. I have this other problem over here. And uh, and you're working at a kind of a different level than a prototype would. Oh, I see. So what I'm un- understanding from you is that sometimes you can get a little bit distracted with the, the the detail, and you kind of miss the big picture. Yeah, exactly. I've definitely had that problem showing prototypes to others because others, like even though you know where you're at in the process, when you show someone something on your phone or on an iPad, it's oh, cool. Let me see that new app. They expect a level of doneness and finishedness that you don't have yet and you haven't planned for yet. And so the, the feedback you get is five steps ahead of where you are. And so not having a screen, ironically, can get you a bit more honest feedback because you start talking about the problems and where they're going to use it and how they're going to use it or or if this is actually something they struggle with instead of talking about, do you like screen two or do you like screen one? They're going to say what right? you want to hear. And, yeah, uh, they're going to say what you want to hear or they'll... Or it'll be a false positive, right? It'll be a false comparison between this feature or that feature, or you know, this execution of the of the feature versus that execution of the feature. When in reality, you're just building the wrong thing altogether, or you're attacking the wrong problem altogether. And so, the kind of the important part at the beginning is to to validate at the very, very high level, even before 
prototyping anything. So that really is, um, I guess, moving on to step two, validating the app idea. Do you have any more comments on the validation process? Yes, what I suggested in the validating step is to go ahead and build a landing page. And on that landing page, start describing the problem that you've talked about and describe the solution that you think you're going to build and prototype. Set it up so that it can collect email addresses and then start reaching out even more broadly to your target audience. So that way you're you're starting to really funnel traffic into that site and find out if and, and how well it converts people into signing up for uh, your email address. Yeah, so building a landing page, you were saying, and uh, just that, 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 and cap- capturing emails. The goal is to, to build up a landing page to find out if you can kind of properly describe that problem in two sentences and, and describe your solution in a compelling way uh, so that you can convert people into giving their email address, you know, to sign up for early access or to find out when it's released or something like that. Well, this is invaluable, I have to say, Adam, because a lot of people are thinking as an app entrepreneur, you don't have anything to do with a website other than like maybe a support website at the end. But you're saying put that process at the beginning of the of the stage of the steps. So, so you don't even, you know, start coding until you have the landing page and you start bu- building up an email list. Prototyping that we're talking about before, if you build your landing page first and start funneling in people and finding out if it really uh, resonates and people are signing up and, and are getting excited about it, if you have a good conversion rate there. If you do that first, then you haven't spent any time on screen flows and user interface and exact feature lists and that sort of thing, like you're still at a very high level, which means if this idea, oh, oops, it turns out it doesn't actually get as much traction as your first you know, 20 people that you talked to thought it would. Great, you haven't wasted time building a prototype and building user interface and going through these flows and you're not invested into this thing in a, in a very large way. And so it, it also makes it a lot easier to try out a couple ideas, your top two or three ideas, and you can, you can really focus on the problem, solution, audience match and making sure that you line that up and that you can connect to your audience before you really start investing development time and resources into building out the user flows and the screen diagrams and all that sort of thing. Great. So we've, uh, just to summarize then so far, step one was uh, to find uh, app ideas and to record those. Uh, step two is validating the app idea. And we talked about uh, building up that community and uh, building up an email list and, and obviously using that uh, for feedback and to try and validate your idea. Uh, and then you have step three, connect with your audience. So step three is is almost a, a double down on step two. And so step two, you should have your landing page and you should, yes, it's converting emails and people seem to be excited about this and this is really working and this is going to be the one, right, that I focus on. So you you throw away your other ideas for sure. And, uh, and this step really dives into traction and the strategy that it kind of lays out in that book. And it's what I did is I, I built spreadsheet in Google and I tracked ideas for how I'm going to reach my target audience. How am I going to connect with them and different ideas in every one of those 19 marketing channels? How can I use each one of those to better connect with my audience and start funneling people into this website and, and reaching them? So in that spreadsheet, I track the idea to reach them, um, whether it's you know paid ads or content marketing or blogging or whatever it is, the marketing channel that it fits in, one of those 19 categories, how much it would cost if I had to pay for it. So paid ads would be a little bit of money, but blogging would be free. The expected traffic that it might generate, just super rough ballpark, just to give you an idea of something to kind of compare ideas. And then kind of your gut feeling for how likely it is to work 
for how likely it is to be able to do something, right? And so once you have those ideas, I when I went through that process, I think I had 50 ideas, right? Just an enormous number of ideas, a lot more than I honestly thought I would when I started. And that's really just because you should never throw away an idea. At this stage, it's just brainstorming. So just think of something, just just make an idea and, and write everything down, every single idea down. And then after you have those 50 ideas, you can sort them by cost, by your gut check, how likely it is to work and that sort of thing. And then you just start working your way from the top down. How about podcast advertising? Did you get that in there? (laughs) And then that was kicked out. Uh, Yeah, because I can imagine that spreadsheet would have, uh, you know, when you have 50 items on there, when you add the overall cost, it must have come in quite a large amount. Yeah, some of them were like, uh, I mean, I honestly spent a lot of money on a promo video before launch. And that was my my big bet, my investment. A lot of them were paid, but honestly, a lot more were free. Like I, I was surprised at the number of free ideas that I had in my list that I could do or free or, or ridiculously cheap. And when I finished that list, that was the most encouraging thing to me because it showed me, wow, I have a lot more ideas than I thought I did. And a lot more of these ideas are free than I thought they were. And as I started working through that list, I could also work on a number of items at the same time, right? Like I, you write a blog post and you publish it on Monday, but you still got six days of the week to work on other ideas. And so you can actually have you know four or five of, of these ideas going in tandem and you'll start seeing which ones work you know, both for you and your schedule and your personality and your audience. And you can double down on the ones that seem to be connecting better and throw out the ones that aren't working and and keep working down that list. Are you able to give me a sense of which ones work for you then? Maybe the top three uh, in terms of like the ones that you would suggest to the audience that they choose, the channels that they choose? The one that's, that's actually generated a fair amount of traffic for me is, is just starting a blog about the product, which is a super easy one. And and very, very common. I started writing about Loose Leaf, about its story, about a lot of the code and problems that I had to solve in building that app. And it was kind of related to a second idea, which is I ended up open sourcing a fair portion of the code in Loose Leaf. And so between blogging and, and open source, those really, really helped a lot. But a really interesting thing coming out of this is the one thing that's generated a lot of traffic and interest is live streaming, which I did not expect at all. I, it was it was an idea I had on the list that I thought this is honestly a little ridiculous, uh, silly and borderline embarrassing, but I'm going to live stream myself programming and fixing bugs in loose leaf or just doing other things and seeing if people like it. Um, so I started doing that in January and in February and March, it started really picking up with watch people code and live coding.tv and a number of other sites. Uh, the idea of live coding took off independent of me and I just happened to be there at the right time. And I've gotten a number of relatively high profile interviews through that and links from some really big sites. I think there's one in CNN, there's one in uh, IT World and some other ones. And th- that has blown me away. And and it's kind of a, a great reason that every idea counts, no matter how silly, no matter how like, nah, this will never work. Don't worry about it. I'll just throw it away right now. No, put it on the list, put it on the list and and get to it. And when you get to it, like give it an honest go, try it out. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. But I've I've been surprised at some of the things that have kind of generated traction more than I you know really ever thought they would. Yeah, and so now we move on to step four, which is uh, your business model. Um, perhaps you can talk through that. 
Yeah. So a personal struggle to figure out how to monetize something. And when I talk to other app developers or entrepreneurs, I see the same thing where it's going to be free. Everything's going to be free. We're going to make a lot of money on advertising, but we're going to have a subscription revenue for the pro users and a few in-app purchase for you know the really big features. Um, and of course, we're going to sell T-shirts, you know, and maybe a conference. And and the the revenue streams are like eight, right, or ten revenue streams. And so the goal with this step is to define very specifically what it is you're selling and how it is you're selling, and picking just one revenue model. Are you selling your users, right? Are you selling eyeballs to advertisers? That's an incredibly difficult model, but that's a very valid one. Lots of people do it. And so try to just focus, just focus on growth, just focus on user growth. Are you, uh, games are consumable in app purchase, right? Where they're selling gold coins or gems or something like that. Lots of productivity apps have in-app purchase to unlock features where it's not consumable. It's a kind of a permanent in-app purchase or Dropbox, Nevernote sell subscriptions, right? Where you get the entire app, every feature, everything for free forever, no matter what. And then they try to upsell you on the monthly subscription revenue. So there's a, a number of different models go through in that step. And the, the goal is to really force yourself to pick just one and to really focus on just that one model. And then if that doesn't end up working, that's fine. You can change models uh, later on and it's it's not a big deal. But if you start with two or if you start with three different revenue models, then it's going to potentially confuse your users about what it is that they're buying or using. And it's honestly going to confuse you as you start getting data back. And if you, as you start seeing usage data and purchase data, it's going to muddle which one is working and which one is not working. And so... Well, that, that's invaluable advice because I think that's the step where it, it actually, I, in the whole process, is probably a little bit tedious. You know, people having to do business models. As soon as you say the word business model, people start to fall asleep. But it's actually really important. <laughs> <laughs> so you've reminded us all that it is actually really important because um, that I mean that's the whole reason we're doing this is to try and support ourselves and to uh, you know have at least a, a business idea or a business model in in, in mind is is incredibly important. Um, so we're, we're going to skip on then to step five, um, which is then uh, making a prototype, which I think we've touched on a little bit already. The reason I put a prototype this late is because the like we talked about before the the time you put into user flows and to diagramming and to building anything, a prototype or kind of the full product is a much heavier weight action than a lot of the a lot of the stuff we talked about so far, which is mostly just mind work and a little bit of marketing work to validate the idea. And so at this point, yeah, you should really have the target market nailed down, the product nailed down, the MVP nailed down. And the prototype, there's a lot of great tools. I linked to a couple of them where you can literally use a camera and take pictures of pencil sketches and then tie those up into taps in your phone. And you have a very, very simple prototype, just tapping buttons and, and showing different static screens all the way to coding up a more proper prototype. But after doing this, this is the time to match your vision of the product to the problem and solution you've already sold, so to speak, to the people signing up on your email list and making sure that that you're actually willing and able and have planned to build what it is that they think you're building. And so it's the time to match that theory and start putting it into to practice a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Because would you actually send uh, like either a a video of the prototype to your email list that you've captured? Uh, is that what you would do? I think that's a great thing to do. I think uh, video here is awesome because it's a lot of times easier to build video than it is to build a, a full fledged app, and you can still kind of fake it 
to to see if it's resonating. With all the people that have that have signed up, there are going to be some that are super excited and some that are kind of less excited. And so this is another great time to deep dive with the people that are super excited about your idea and iterate with them on the prototype idea and really connect and, and start bringing them into your your development process. Absolutely. That's a great uh, golden nugget you've just shared with us there is that you, you've kind of filter out some of the super fans and and then bring them into the development process and include them. And, and obviously then that helps you with the feedback, but it also is like employing a load of salespeople because they're going to be your advocates going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it also kind of keeps your mind in that headspace, right? It, it keeps me from my default, which is to hunker down at my desk and program for six months at a time, right? And just block out the world. And so the staying connected with your audience and, and staying connected into that process is, is super important during the prototype and development phase. So I'm really excited to tell you about gummycube.com. Uh, and they have uh, the ability to uh, analyze the app stores through using DataCube, which is big data analytics for Google Play and Apple's App Store. Now they have this uh, trend analysis, which uh, is real-time trends in the App Store, which allows uh, you know partners like yourself to make data-driven decisions across your organization, or even if you're an app entrepreneur, you can figure out what the hell is going on in those app stores. Uh, marketers uh, like yourself will use real-time trends in the App Store to increase uh, click-through rates, and return on investments and uh, really do a better job at uh, mobile advertising. Uh, the product managers, if you're a product manager listening to this, then you can use uh, this trend data to estimate user demand for specific features. And this will help make better decisions of where to invest your development resources. So stop using trend data from Google and start using it from the uh, Apple App Store and the Google Play Store by uh, going to GummyCube com and checking out DataCube. Thank you very much to GummyCube for supporting the show. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, I just want to take a minute to thank our sponsors. Uh, they're apptentive.com. You can go to apptentive.com forward slash appguy. That's all lowercase. And you can go and check them out. But I've got something really unique. I've got the, the co-founder of this company on the line now. And I know I've spoken to hundreds of developers and getting your app noticed in amongst these millions of apps that uh, exist is really challenging. And Apptentive and, and Roby Ganguly, who's the co-founder, can really help us out. Uh, Roby, how can you actually help us get our apps discovered? Yeah, you know, we talk to hundreds of app developers. We work with actually thousands of independent developers and some of the world's largest brands, companies like Urban Spoon and Nordstrom and Concur. And the biggest mistake you can make when you launch is not actually having the tools at your disposal to listen to your customers, to, to get your evangelists to talk about you in the App Store. Ratings and reviews in the App Store are the number one predictor of downloads. That, that's why customers will download your app. If it's four or five stars, that's why they'll take a chance on you. And so in the early days when you launch, you really want to be generating those positive reviews and you want to be hearing from your customers who aren't yet getting what they want so that you can make a better app, so that three months from now your app is better and you have hundreds of five-star reviews and people are out there talking about you. That's what momentum comes from. When a groundswell of support bubbles up through the App Store and people search for apps and they find your app as a five-star rated app, they'll download it. Well, that's great. Well, I do think that people should go to apptentive.com forward slash app guy. I highly recommend you and I'm just so thrilled that you could support this show. 
So, so this is a show about launching. It's not specifically designed to, to help people understand about the building process, but step six is building an app. And uh, as we're getting towards the end of the podcast, we get to that step, which is absolutely the most important step, I guess, because it's, it's about building it. What, what comments do you have about that pr- process of building the there app? There are two things that are really important to me. And, and one is there's a kind of an engineering maxim or, or phrase that's the, the first 90% of the work takes the first 90% of the time, and the last 10% of the work takes the other 90% of the time, right? Like that, that very last sliver of functionality always takes more time than you think it will. And so make sure to overestimate almost everything that you do so that way you can definitely fit it within your schedule. A lot of other discussions that I've had and either internal conflicts as I balance stuff or when I've worked on teams and, and working with everyone else's priorities is to decide, is the timeline most important? Do we absolutely have to ship by June or by December or whatever it is? Is app quality the absolute most important thing? And we can slip on timeline and change our feature list, but quality has to be number one. Or is the feature list number one? And and be very purposeful about deciding which one of those things is the most important. Because throughout the building process, questions and, and conflicts are going to come up between those three things. And that's going to force your hand early and to decide early on, nope, we're going to cut features and cut quality because we have to ship by June. We just have to do it. Or vice versa. Nope, we're going to have to push out. It's going to be July because we need feature X. And uh, it makes decisions a lot easier if you can decide that at the front. Yeah, I mean, just as an example, I had a chat with the founder of uh, Peem, P-E-E-E-M, and it's like a BlackBerry Messenger uh, app. And uh, they were competing in a way to get uh, the app out before BlackBerry Messenger got their iOS app out. And so that's an example where I think of that you have a timeline, you've got to ship because if you fall behind the timeline, you're going to get beaten by the competition. So I'm guessing that that's a good example of of why sometimes timeline has to take priority. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, it's a perfect example. Uh, and of course, like not everyone is uh, listening to the show, uh, a coder, uh, they're not going to be able to build their own. And uh, that this is the time when you outsource this whole process uh, as well. And and then we get to, um, obviously, we're skipping over a, quite a bit there. I do think people should go to your app launch guide and read this thoroughly. But step seven, um, which is where you've built the app and uh, you now pitch your app story. So this has been a, a good learning experience for me too because I, I used to think, okay, great, I'm launching an app. I'm going to submit it to a bunch of places. And of course, they're going to write about it because their site's why wouldn't they want more content? And it's a cool app, so great. But the kind of one-liner thing that I that I think about is that the Trust Me, I'm Lying book that we mentioned earlier gives a really good insight into how and why you should make this pitch. You should you should pitch different people and, and what their incentives are in saying, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to write about you. Oh, nope, I'm not going to write about you. And it boiled down to, for me, that the job of press and the job of these people is not to review my app. It's not to send me traffic. It, they, don't, they don't care. It's really my job to send them traffic, right? Even though I'm going to get traffic from this review, from their point of view, it's, it's really my job as the product maker to make something interesting enough that people will want to go to their site and read the review, right? Like they want quality content. They want good content. And it's not just existing 
that is a good enough story. Nobody cares that you have an app because everybody has an app or everybody has a product or whatever it is that you're building. And so it's really important to pitch it in a way to say, this is a good fit for your readers. And when you write about it, your readers are going to come to your page and hit your page and give you ad revenue because this is really resonating with your audience. And so that's kind of what I talk about here is taking everything that we've learned in these previous steps about defining the exact problem you solve, uh, defining the solution you have for them, and defining that target audience. And so you should, by now, have really good traction with your audience. And so your pitch uh, can reflect that. It can say, hey, I've built this. I have really great traction. Your audience is right in this, in this um, same segment. I think it's a great fit. Uh, here's a bullet point about you know when we launch ABCD and away you go. It becomes a lot easier process to pitch once you have the traction that you've been building throughout this entire process. That that's the first time that I've actually had that honest conversation about the uh, blogger sphere and you know the whole world of, of, of review sites. And we do have to remind ourselves that these people are out to make money and and just pitching in their language so you're more likely to get heard. And uh, so that's a great uh, golden nugget you've given us there as well, uh, because that, that could be the difference between you uh, getting on a, a top review site or uh, actually missing the boat. And I've had many app developers, Adam, who have um, you know had really wonderful uh, download numbers uh, from just spending two or three days at the top of uh, an app review site. So Yeah, yeah, it can make a huge difference if you get, if you get that pitch right. Absolutely. Great. So they're, they're the step, seven-step processes. Um, I'm going to be linking to it in, uh, uh, just go to App Store Launch Me, App Store Launch dot me, and it's uh, episode two, uh, which uh, it was wonderful. Is there anything we missed, Adam? And is there anything, any other final parting words you can have to help uh, people out, out there go, go through your launch guide? The biggest thing, I think, is really just read a lot, research a lot, and keep pushing. Because it as I worked through this, this same process, uh, it took me, I want to say, four or five months before I really saw like traction and really saw something take off. And so it's, uh, I just have to remind myself every day, like building stuff and launching products and launching ideas, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Like you, you've really got to just keep plugging away every single day, every single week, trying new things and and pushing on the grindstone. Great. And Adam, I'll make sure we put uh, links to you and your blog and and your uh, various accounts, but. Uh, how best can people reach out to you and connect with you? Um, so probably the best way is on Twitter. Um, you can just hit up my handle on Twitter, which is Adam Wolf. Uh, w U L F is my last name. Um, that's a great way. That or uh, or getlooseleaf.com. I think there's an email and there are a couple different you know buttons on there you can click. Uh, either one of those is great. Adam, thank you very much for uh, being just so gracious with this new podcast. Uh, you know, you, you've hit the mark totally about what we're trying to do here, which is help app entrepreneurs. And uh, we'd love to, you know, keep in touch and, and have you back at some point uh, to uh, see how it's going with your new app remotely. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Remember to go and check out the Venture Beat article with Gummy Cube and Data Cube, and you'll get to see a screenshot of the dashboard where you can see all the, the data that you'll end up getting from the app stores. Uh, you can see a screenshot if you go to theappguy.co and just check out uh, the show notes for the, the episode. And thank you very much for Gummy Cube uh, for supporting this show. 
So let me remind you that this episode has been sponsored by Apptentive. Now you can go and sign up for a free mobile app consultation by going to apptentive.com forward slash app guy. That's all lowercase apptentive.com forward slash app guy. All you need to do is complete a form and what they'll do is they will evaluate uh, an overall app experience and information about how Apptentive can increase your app's ratings and reviews. So go to www.apptentive.com forward slash app guy, get that free consultation and thank you Apptentive for supporting the show. So I wanted to remind you that I am looking for feedback on this podcast and if you are a long-term listener, then I would love to hear what you have to think and say about the show. Uh, It means that I can filter out some of the comments that I'm getting uh, from people who are only discovering my show right now. So if you do want to leave feedback, just go to theappguy.co forward slash survey. That's theappguy.co forward slash survey, all lowercase, and uh, go and just complete it. It's not very long. Uh, There's no incentive for you to complete it other than really helping me and helping give back and and shape your show uh, because this is what I do for you. And uh, I am so keen to just hear what you think and get uh, feedback. I've actually had uh, people complete the survey and point out a favorite episode and manage to get the guests and them connected. So uh, no promises on that, but uh, if you do complete it, then uh, obviously it's helping shape your show.